One morning, a mother hears crying in the hallway around the corner from her study. She finds her son sitting in front of the mirror, bawling his eyes out, a really good cry. And then all of a sudden he smiles and then he cries again, real tears shedding. What's wrong, dear one, she says. Nothing, mama, he says, I'm just practicing. Mirrors are amazing things and little ones love exploring their features like an animal seeing its reflection in the water. I've caught my own children gazing into the mirror, practicing their misery. And I see in them the joy of my father and mother, the thoughtfulness of my wife's family, my Aunt Nell's mischief, my cousin Bob's curiosity. And I know that one day they will look up with the same eyes and see a different face, a face that's now charting the march of their years. And I wonder, how often do I encourage them to go deeper and to ask of themselves, whose image do you bear? Grace and peace to you from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome home, children of God, welcome home. This morning, friends, let us pause and consider whose image that we bear. Let us pray. You weave beauty and majesty into creation's heart. You breathe life and spirit into our hearts. Our very existence reflects that bright light of your image, yet we are doubt-filled and violence wrought. Living with torn allegiances and misinterpreted priorities, stumbling to find balance, wandering from mirror to mirror, seeking that scene that will finally root us in something larger, something more permanent than our fleeting youth or temporal wealth. Press down upon us with that gentle hand of your loving kindness to steady our steps, to focus our gaze that we might bear your image more fully follow you more nearly, and sow your kingdom seeds more broadly. In your gracious name we pray. Amen.
It was almost like the good old days. The sun was burning away the smoke on the Temple Mount and the grandeur of the temple itself was on full display. Ignoring the Roman eagles atop the gates, it was even better than the good old days. Of course, there were never really any good old days, but nostalgia sells and the money, well, needed to flow as freely as the libations. The Roman tribute, was the third rail of the professionally religious. They wisely sought to avoid it at all costs. To the Herodians, it was the price of power and purity. To those who opposed Rome, they saw the tribute as a part of the subjugation of Israel. And for others, it was an affront to God, an injustice to God's people. Each generation had its own troublemakers, but the Nazarene was different. Jesus attracted disciples rather than mobs. There had been healings rather than violence. But regardless, this equal opportunity offender had to be silenced. It was a delicate time to be professionally religious. But if they could catch Jesus out, there would be one less problem to face the next day. Now, several days passed before the Pharisees managed to gain the Herodians' support. It was the throwing out of the money changers that finally got their attention. In a rare sign of nonpartisan cooperation, they approached Jesus with a question, with a trap, from the Gospel of Matthew. Then the Pharisees plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere. Teach the ways of God in accordance with the truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test? You hypocrites, show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose image is this and whose title? They answered, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and unto God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This, friends, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If Jesus answered yes, he alienated those who wanted to drive out Rome. Answering no, he would be guilty of treason and blasphemy against Caesar. So Jesus puts the professionally religious on the defensive, saying, show me the coin. And without thinking, they pull out a silver denarius. Not many of the folk with Jesus could afford to carry a denarius, and not many of the folk with Jesus who could, would, most especially on the Temple Mount. On one side, the graven image of the emperor, and on the other, Caesar, son of the living God, the coin read. Here was a foreign coin bearing a blasphemous image only meters away from the Holy of Holies. And just like those eagles sitting upon the gates and the daily offerings to Caesar, few things could be more polarizing. 
Whose image is this? And to whom is it inscribed? He asks. Well, the Pharisees and the Herodians had a confused look upon their face when they marched off, because after pulling the curtain back on their hypocrisy, Jesus throws the encounter into yet another direction. The gospel has ways of reframing all our possibilities. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God's what is God's. Now, functionally in the story, Jesus wins the argument and his confrontation with Rome and the professionally religious is postponed again. But what does Jesus mean? The gospel has a way of reframing all possibilities. Now, one possible meaning might be found within the coin itself. The coin carries Caesar's image, and it bears his inscription. So render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Caesar can have all that belongs to his empire and his age. God isn't concerned with libations and pricey offerings of material goods. God's kingdom isn't founded upon loveless power or materialism, fundamentalism or injustice. These are the coins of Caesar's economy and how well they bear his image. Empires rise and empires fall, but eventually every Caesar meets his Brutus. So render unto God what is God's. Jesus is concerned about what belongs to God. So just as the coin bears an image and inscription of its maker, so do we bear the image and inscription of our maker. Friends, know whose image you bear. The kingdom of heaven is founded upon an economy of grace. God's currency is unconditional love, mercy, compassion, and a justice that restores humanity rather than exacts revenge. So deep are the roots of this kingdom that each of us bears the image and inscription of our creator and king, an image of a God who loves and cares for us, a God who does not forsake or forget us, a God who is also marked with love for us and for this world. Isaiah says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, or show compassion for the child in her womb? Even these may forget. Yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. There will always be another Pharaoh, another Herod, another Caesar, For good and bad, we will always contend with the beautiful and the broken in the world around us because empires rise and empires fall. But God's mercy is beyond forever. And so Jesus urges us to engage the world with our eyes wide open, as wide open as our hearts, wise as serpents, yet innocent as doves. For as Paul says, Christ didn't see equality with God as something to be exploited. Rather, he emptied himself. He poured out his life and being. And so if there is any encouragement in Christ, 
any comfort in love, any sharing in the spirit, any sympathy, may we move towards that complete joy, that divine image we already bear, letting the same mind be in us that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, may we always know whose image we bear. Alleluia. Amen. And so as bearers of the image, as those who consider and carry the living word written upon our souls, we take time to pray, 
to pray for queen and country, for nations and neighbors, for hidden hurts and open wounds, for daily small victories and hidden accomplishments. We carry before our God courage, compassion. We bring our frustration, our friendships, knowing that God's grace pours out upon us. So then in boldness, we voice the words of the one who came because words were not enough. Saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So friends, go out into the world in peace and have courage. Return no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, and honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and beyond forever. Amen. Amen.